Rider Flex Nation. Steve Urban here again from recruiting and consulting firm Rider Flex. We provide career advice and job interviewing tips on this podcast. And if you enjoy the show, please remember to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes. All right, on today's Rider Flex podcast, we have Finn Kelly, the founder of Wealth Enhancers, also the president of the Colorado chapter of EO or Entrepreneurs Organization. He's also a retreat facilities coach and a professional speaker. Finn, my pleasure. Thanks so much for being on. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, Steve. So give us a, a little personal background. I mean, you know, people can learn all about you already kind of online if they do their own, you know, study. But in your own words, just tell us about yourself, uh, you know, early life, some family stuff, things like that. For sure. So originally from Australia, now live in Boulder, Colorado. And the reason why I moved to Colorado four years ago is just love of skiing. It's my favorite thing on earth. And okay. I moved to Beaver Creek and lived there for three years. And it was great, but eventually I needed community again. So I moved to Boulder and I also with my role as president of EO, I just needed to be closer. So gotcha. that's how I ended up in Colorado. Okay. Grew up on a farm in Tasmania, which is a small little state uh, the bottom of Australia, which is where the Tasmanian devil uh, <laughs> I was just about to ask you. Yeah, so All that's right. where we are. And it was an interesting childhood. Like I had, I had many different lives all the time from a young <laughs> age. So I was sort of like the a- academic person, a sports person, fun partier, uh, always really happy, but then had a challenging upbringing, mm. uh, which I've definitely healed now. And, uh, and I'm very grateful for the experience there and became a army officer. So I went to your equivalent of West Point and did oh, I seven see. years there. Yep. I see. Now, and is this, is this, uh, so West Point, so this, how old were you when you went in? So I just, I finished school at 16 because I was finished school early because okay. uh, I skipped some grades. So I was, I was the youngest person, actually. I was 17 years. I just turned 17. Wow. All right. So you, yeah. you were a smart kid then, obviously. Good grades. Did, did well in school. Yeah. Did well, but also got in a lot of trouble at school. I had the record for the most detentions at our private school. and uh, So I was like, I played a lot of different roles. Okay. All right. Now, now yeah. to, get, to get into this, this military school, uh, it's tough to get in, like West Point, super yeah, hard to get yeah, in? Okay. super hard. And okay. I wanted to be... I was, the reason why I did it, and it's funny that drivers, was in the Tasmania, success was becoming a doctor. That's what, if you're a smart academic, I see. all out, like a lot of our parents were doctors, friends were doctors, that was where the money was. And it was this, there was a lot of pressure from a young age, like that's what we were meant to do. And five okay. of my best friends and I, we all got into medicine, but the whole time I was just like, I just knew this isn't what I wanted. Like I never really... I, I didn't like it that my parents, like my mum was a doctor and my uncle and grandfather and stuff. I just did okay. driving insane. And gotcha. but there was all this pressure and this obligation and ego gets tied up in it. Mm. So I was like, something, there's got to be something else which could be potentially seen cooler than being a doctor. So <laughs> then, it, then I can have the courage to get out of doing it. Okay. And I remember in year 12, uh, uh, year 11, actually, I, someone from the military academy came and spoke and he was a helicopter pilot. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. So I actually applied for that as well. And oh, I really? Through it. Yeah, 
applied. And in the same year, I got accepted to both medicine and helicopter pilot training. And I ended <laughs> let's, up. Let's see. Let's see. I can make a lot more money over here being a doctor, but boy, this is a lot cooler over here in the helicopter. Right? And it was a fascinating experience because I actually told my mom I didn't apply to be in medicine because I just, I didn't even want the option, but I still did. I wanted to impress mm. her and then I got accepted and I sh- gave, showed it to her and I'll never forget that feeling she like it was this like awe loving feeling and it was like the most proud she'd ever been of me Mm, and it it was nice but then that was also obligation so I ended up going all right I'll do medicine and but the funny thing is I accepted the military academy as well and a week before it was January 17th and I remember it January 17th 2002 I was having a party with my other mates who were in medicine doing medicine Mm. And I just remember just going, it was the first moment where I really checked in my body and I was like, what am I doing? Like, I cannot do this. Mm-hmm. And I told them that night after drinking a lot of champagne, I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm off to the military. And a week later, I went to the military. As and, an Now, you, you enter the military as an officer at that point. Yeah, right? as yep. an officer, yeah, you do intense training. And I did a degree and it was like four years of officer training. Okay. So crazy that I, this is what scares me about this story is, I just because of the pressures of our childhood and the expectations and obligation, I was willing to go put myself in military (laughs) and get trained and get to a place where you potentially go to overseas, risk your life, die, and also kill people, all because of just this obligation and expectation that is put on us as children. Wow. So I wanted to share that because that's something Mm -hmm. is not, people don't realize. Uh, that all these things that we do to other people and the, and what we project onto them, that can have like devastating effects on people. Mm, absolutely right. I'm glad you shared that. That's a good point. So you get in, you get in and you spend how many years in the service? I did just under seven years and okay. uh, I never ended up going overseas. It was just the timing of different things. And it was an incredible experience. I got like at age 21, I was leading up to a hundred soldiers uh, ranging from 17 to 55. And as an officer, you have a lot of responsibility. You really, you can right. dictate. It's like, we're going outfield for the next month. Say goodbye to your family. Uh, so that was an incredible skill set. And at the same time, you're also speaking to the generals. So you sort of wedged in. You were like mm. speaking to generals. And then at the next second, you're leading older soldiers. Mm. You learn a lot about how to manage how to, different personas, yeah. how to communicate, get messages across. So that was really great. But it did not light me up. I was not happy there, and I didn't really believe in it. But so uh, yeah. you, you honed you honed leadership skills, people skills, communication skills, how to deal with people at different levels. But you weren't satisfied. You know, you didn't have a passion for it. It wasn't no, really not at all. Wasn't really your purpose at that time, or your core purpose. Definitely. And I remember my first experience of true passion and purpose was that pilot training and. There was guys there, like I just decided just that year because it was going to be cooler, but there was people there who'd wanted this since they were three years old. Like that was their vision to be a pilot in the military. They'd absolutely wanted it. Every time they would get off a flight, they were just like buzzing. They're like, how good is this? And I would get off the flight and I was like, because we're flying in, in really hot temperatures. I was like, oh, I just want to go lie down. Like it was sort of cool, but I was like, that was pretty tedious. Gotcha. Um, and they were loving it. And then like on a Saturday night, this was actually when I remember it. It was a Saturday night. And I was like, oh, I'll go out in the town, young person, go 
have fun, try to party, be with yep. ladies or something. Yep. And yep. now you're uh, not, you're not, you're not married at the time or anything. No, no, I was single okay. at the time. Okay. And All they're, right. and they're there playing remote control planes, having a few beers, laughing. I come back at two thirty in the morning and they're still doing it. And I'm like, wow, these guys just absolutely love it. And there was a moment of, it was almost, even though back then I would have said, oh yeah, I thought I was cooler than them or anything. It transitioned and I was like, I'm envious of this. Like I am really, I admire them because they know what they want and they're, uh, they're connected to their purpose and their passion. And I was like, all right, I need to start moving. I need mm-hmm. to start changing mine. Mm-hmm. And that's when I left the military and, uh, I started trading currency and equities for a little bit, and then I started okay, my first okay. business. Okay, so yeah. that's what you did right there. If we can just dig in right there for a minute. When you first left the military, had you decided, I'm going to do this, or you didn't know for sure? No, I didn't know. Actually, while I was in the military, I'd, a few things I've always done is I'm a big believer in options. So yeah. having options and going, well, what's, you never know what you want in life. Like That's something we just don't know. But what are certain things which will help you that in case you do find out what you want to do, you're already set up for a little bit. So mm-hmm. you'll notice my education. I have a maths degree, a physics degree. I saw that. De- yeah, I a teaching <laughs> degree, a finance degree, now positive psychology, like leadership. Like I just have different things and I'll do broad based. So teacher mm-hmm. was like, well, you can always get a job as a teacher. It's always a valuable skill set. Maths, nice, A nice backup option, right? Yeah. Yep. Finance backup option and I was always about backup options then. Okay. Uh, I don't believe in that now, but it was at that time I was like, what could I do? Mm-hmm. And uh I just I just left the military. It was actually probably the most courageous thing I've ever done. Not ever done, but it was I've had some similar things recently where it connected me back to that moment. It was like, ah, oh, that was when I was willing to take a quantum leap. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of the quantum leap is you don't know where you're going. And you need to give up a belief set. Mm. So, and there's no words to to explain it because you you're going to quantum leap. It's not a linear fashion. And in the military, I just because you're so there's so much pressure, so much tied up. You think everyone's judging you. It's like it's fear when you leave. It's an incredible organization. Yeah. And you think all your friends because you chose military over any doctor. Now you're a failure. There's all these things wrapped into it. I took the quantum leap and left. And uh, left and just went to see what happened. And it's funny, six months later, I uh, met my now ex-wife, but my wife at that time fell in love at the first moment. And six weeks later, we started our first business at age 24. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. What was it? And what was that? So we started a private wealth management company. So it was basically like almost a fund managing large amount of investment assets. Uh, work, but also doing goals-based and values-based advice. And we're looking after high net worth individuals, which was a fascinating time because here were two young kids uh, looking after I, 55 to 60-year-old money <laughs> yeah. in the global crisis. Like yeah. it was the global crisis was at that exact point. As soon as you were telling me that, I thought, well, now, all right, now, if I was a rich guy at 55, why would I give you my money at that time? Why? <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't, and it wasn't under a big company. This was our own company. So gotcha. it wasn't like a young kid at Wells Fargo or, or JP Morgan or something. And that's where the experience plays into it. Mm-hmm. So I basically saw all of these people as generals. 
They were they were okay. my generals, and I had a role. So as a as a as a lieutenant in the army, you have direct. You you're basically the person who's directly in charge of the soldiers, the troops. So you actually get everything done, and you got to pitch to the general and say, "This is my this is my thought process. This is why I believe this is the right strategy." I see. So the preparation there was just perfect, and I also played off that. Uh, I understood, like I have parents who are similar situations to you. I have this I experience. I have a different thought process. So at that time, it was a crisis going on. And there was a lot of people who had no idea why they were losing money or, or what was going on. And I just said, it was all because you, you did this. Like mm-hmm. you can't blame anyone else. You didn't know your values. You didn't know what you're working towards and you took undue risk. And mm-hmm. that level of confidence, I believe, gave us a chance. Do you remember getting those first few clients in that wealth management company when the oh, first? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The the audacity of the two of us—it's really incredible. Like it brings me back a lot of joy. Like we threw a, an office opening party, and we had like a hundred something people there, and it was great. And it was champagne. I was like, we were just—it was two of us, and she had one other staff member who was this twenty-one-year-old girl, and we we're like. Three of us were like, we dress nice and we look good. And I'm just like, why? How did we have the courage to do that? Like, whenever I try to get courage now, I go back into that moment. It's and you weren't, you like, probably, okay. you, you probably weren't making a bunch of money at that time, right? You had, no, <laughs> we were hustling. Yeah, it was, uh, it was good fun. Hustle, hustle, uh, the word hustle and audacity at that point right there. Those are two keywords, I think, that probably helped catapult you. That's great. Okay, so Mm -hmm. now I can only imagine you're having this first party and all these people are around and you're spending money on the party. So in your head, you're probably like, okay, this is going to cost us a thousand bucks. And actually only three of these guys here are clients. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. We we actually did cool things. Like We raised 10,000, I think that was like $7,000 for this uh, asthma foundation, we got okay. sponsorship, we did all these different things. Like it's wow. incredible. And that's something which I feel like as you have more business success, mm-hmm. you, you, it's almost like your ego doesn't allow you to do those things again. And it's a bit of a shame because there's so much greatness you can do by just being, mm-hmm. having some initiative and just trying different things. So early on, and even with all of the education that you had, whether it's, you know, math or, or physics or psychology or whatever, you obviously were a salesman with great EQ and people skills, you know, to be able to get all this done, right? You had to have those relationship skills to start to get this going. I'm, it's obvious, Definitely. by the way. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And it was a lot of care. That's what I always just focused on was there was genuine care. Like we were, I, it makes me feel sad when people are in a situation where they're either like, I don't know what's going on mm. or they're not taking responsibility for where they're at. So that was a, a key driver of mine. You've mentioned that a couple of times. I want to dig into that further when we start talking about wealth enhancers. You, mm-hmm. You've said, hey, you got to take responsibility for your own actions. Like you're, you're in the spot you're in because of decisions you made, right? And it's true, right? I mean, yeah. there's, somebody, there's so many people driving around blaming somebody else for their financial decisions. So, all right, so let's, so, so you had that first company and then kind of, yeah, from there, walk us through what kind of what happened next. Uh, we went on a whirlwind, uh, Sarah and I, we, we've, we did like eight business together. We sold two, we've had a couple of fails, uh, mm. we've still got two. Um, yeah, it's, it was an incredible journey where we basically went through the whole entrepreneurial journey in multiple times in a few loops. Mm. So, and we, 
we created a lot of abundance, a lot of success, but then we also fell, fell trapped to some unfortunate situation. Mm. So with, what uh, was your, what was your scariest, darkest moment? Do you want to share that with everybody? Or one of them, you probably oh, had a few. You probably had a, you probably had a few. <laughs> yeah, there's a few. They all layer it together at the same time, actually. Uh, mm. So it would have been, we just sold a company, uh, sold two actually, and okay. we're feeling great. We'd achieved all our vision. So when we first started, we're very intentional. We do visioning exercises, and we'll we'll like we'll sell a company within five years, reach our financial goals, and then we'll go travel go live overseas and do all these different things. Great. Now, we actually did do all this, but unfortunately, we started a few other things at the same time, mm-hmm. which, which distracted. We actually moved to Beaver Creek, Colorado, which was incredible. So we achieved this. We'd sold the company. We reached our financial metrics. But unfortunately, at the same time, we had started another couple of companies, one which was uh, in an industry I didn't really enjoy. It was it was soulless. I wanted to disrupt an industry because I hated it. But then I realized I was in the industry that I hated. So it was quite interesting. And it was like accounting. Now, at this, uh, at this moment right here, are you, would you call yourself independently wealthy at that point? Or, yeah. Yeah, we were. But, um, but, but, but still putting yourself at risk to where you could have lost a bunch of it. Is that? Yeah, unfortunately. And, and that's where we've got to be very careful about what we say yes to because mm. suddenly your life can just be taken off track even though you're so on track mm-hmm. you can suddenly pulled and a few things occurred so, uh sarah's dad died tragically okay. yeah. it was a tragic accident we moved over to america uh so we'd left family community mm-hmm. moved to a big mansion sort of in a ski resort and which was incredible we thought it was our dream and it would have been but there was just so much change and then unfortunately we ended up in a horrible legal battle over two things one her her dad's estate and with her business with the, his business partners it was just really sad and then straight away over a business that we sold and it was just a horrible Ooh, experience and one, that two, just mm, mm, sucked mm. it just sucked everything out of us and stopped us communicating mm. and there was so much trauma and everything that played out which resulted in our marriage breaking up so that uh. was that's a dark, that's a dark period. Dark period. Yeah. It was a really, really challenging, greatest awakening period, but a really challenging. No period. kids, no kids at that point. No, no kids. Oh, okay. Okay. But, yeah. uh, but so you go through that divorce and then why you're living in a little apartment up in Vail somewhere by yourself. <laughs> no, well, I actually was living in this giant house for a long time. So okay. that was a dark time. Like I sat in the uh, house just by myself and I was like, all right, I'm going to do, do the work. I'm going to, I'm going to face everything that is that I believe could have contributed to breaking up this marriage. And mm-hmm. that was things like I hadn't spoken to my father in 18 years. Uh, there was challenges with my mother or all these different experiences. And I just went, I'm going to focus on it and I'm not going to distract myself. And that went, that's been a two year incredible journey now. So this was only, this was only two years ago. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Two, yeah, two just over two years, two and a bit okay. years. Okay. So then at that point, you're like, all right, I got to get, I got to get myself together here, you know, professionally, emotionally. Now, wealth enhancers, was that already created at this time? Or yeah, this- it was. Okay. Okay. It was. And that was a challenge because we, there yeah. and I had two companies still yeah. that we were working together. And yeah. <laughs> so there was lots of challenges there. And we tried our best. Like that's something we've 
always done. Like Sarah's absolutely incredible. She's amazing. I'm like so grateful to ha- have her in my life. But it's still, you go yep. through a divorce, it's very, very challenging. Especially if you own it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I have a good friend who just went through that a couple of years ago. Super tough. Now, so she's not part of the business anymore. It's it's your deal moving forward? Yeah. Wealth enhances mine. She's always going to be part of the soul. And she has another company called Grow My Team, which is a Great. Uh, recruitment company for, for global remote staff. Re- recruitment company. Oh, yeah. she, so she's a c- competitor to Rider Flex. And no, I'm just, I'm just giving Compliment. her a compliment. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so yeah. So let's talk about your current businesses and what you're doing for a living now. Um, you know, whether it's uh, entrepreneurs organization, if you want to start there, or if you want to talk about wealth enhancers, let's, let's talk about that. And by the way, both have a huge presence online. I mean, I obviously, obviously studied you up and down before the podcast, right? And so mm-hmm. you do a great job on social media, great websites, great information. Um, but why don't you talk about them a little bit? Uh, either one you want to start with. Sure. So wealth enhancers is my company and we like to describe it as a financial happiness company for millennials and in particular millennial women. And the, what we do is we guide them to an intentional relationship with money so they become more awakened. And the byproduct of becoming more awakened is you have more freedom, abundance, and happiness. Okay. So it's a super cool company. It's like combining positive psychology, behavioral coaching uh, with, with wealth management and wealth advice. So I don't, so, so I can't call you unless I'm a millennial and I have money. No. <laughs> uh, so yeah, millennial and you don't have to have money. That's the whole idea. It's, it's, uh, you can have no money. A lot of people actually come to us, no money. And it's about how to actually how get to a get better there. relationship with money and grow. But we also have millionaires as well. Like it's, a, it's okay. more about getting a more positive relationship with money. And okay. I'm glad you yeah, said that. Okay. Great. Yeah, great. It's a really, really great company. And yeah, very, very, passionate about it and for me it's always i just see money as something which drives so many people to some interesting decisions and Mm. i'd like them to be more intentional about it so So, your your core customer at wealth enhancers is let's call it or not i don't know if it's if core customer is the right term but your target customer i guess is um, a millennial female who might be an entrepreneur or had started a business and recently came into some money and needs advice on what to do with it. Is that? So, no, not exactly. Uh, not so exactly. We, okay. We call her Jessica. She's like a okay, okay. 20, 28 year old, uh, female. She's actually more professional. So we okay. do have entrepreneurs as well, but we're actually, uh, want to make it available to professionals. They're like, they're driven. They're doing really well in their life and they just want to now know that they're doing the same thing with their relationship with money. Okay. And a lot of them actually have no money or they might have a little bit of savings. Some do, but it's more about like, all right, how do we guide you? And it's about uncovering your purpose, your values, setting intentions towards it. And then having the money thing work part of it. The money thing is like a small percentage of it. Okay. Really. Okay. Yep. Okay. And to, and if they want to get a hold of you, do they just go to wealth enhancers and just look at the contact information there? Is that the best thing to do? Yeah, definitely. And we have some cool things. We have like uh free sort of uh, financial happiness conversations where they can have a discussion. We're launching online courses. We do retreats. So it's really great. And there's ongoing coaching relationships as well. I want to talk about the, I want to, I want to talk about those retreats, but, but I want to yep. just tell you that when I was preparing for the podcast, you know, at the age of 52 for myself, 
I've made really good money and I've been an executive and I've ran some companies, but you know, I just, I, I never did the right thing from a personal financial perspective. I mean, yeah, I never really managed my own finances properly, whether it's investments or whatever. I mean, I spent years as an executive managing other people's money and, yeah. the, and the company's money and working really hard to do that. And now when I look back at my life and I tell my sons this who are grown now, I tell them, I'm like, look, you've got to, you've got to make sure you're managing the personal stuff too, your personal finances properly. And if you, if you're not careful, you'll, you won't spend enough time on it. You'll take your eye off of it because you're entrenched in your career or whatever. And I'm one of those guys. I mean, when mm-hmm. I was, when I was studying your stuff, I thought, man, I, I should have called Finn a long time ago. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny when I give keynotes, the people who resonated with the most are sort of your demographic, Steve, and you're yep. young, but uh, they I really know. do. Cause they're like, Oh my God, I get this so much. And yes. I'm like, not too late. Like you've still got a whole adult lifetime ahead of you. Like you can still apply these things. I, I will be calling you, by the way, separately from the podcast because, uh, you know, like, and that, you know, as you get older too, I think, at least for me, I'm, I'm very quick to admit what I'm good at and what I'm not good at, right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't try to fake it out anymore. Like, here's the things I kick ass at and here are the things I suck at. And I could definitely use your help on that side. So that's a great business you have there. And that now, to, to meet you in person too, if you live in Colorado or Boulder, you're here, right, locally. Yeah, yeah, I'm in Boulder, Colorado, and that's uh, okay. I'm, then that's where I'm president of the Entrepreneurs Organization. So that's a global yeah. organization of it's the largest peer-to-peer group of entrepreneurs. Incredible organization, and it's one of my privileges that I've been. Uh, yeah, I was elected as president. Of well, I chapter, saw which, that, which is really really cool. Yeah, congratulations. That's recent. Thank you. 2019, right? Yeah, it is, and that's it's uh, great. It's the best privilege. You're leading leaders like my board, uh, the most incredible entrepreneurs, and I can't believe that they've like volunteering to do this with me. And it's that's like awesome. I'm not not paying them anything, and they just work incredibly. I absolutely love it. We have a lot of fun. So, how does that work? So, if you want to be a member there, or you think you should be a member, is it do you have to? Is it like YPO? Do you do you pay a yeah. fee, or how does that work? Yeah, it's ex- basically the exact same organization as YPO. The difference is in EO you have to be a founder or in YPO, you can be a family business uh, or a president. Uh, Nearly identical. I do a lot of work with YPOs as well. Like I do a lot of retreat facilitations for YPOs. I just prefer EO. There's certain things. Some people like certain organizations. EO is just more of my tribe. They're just, they're, they're awesome. Is it fascinating to watch those personality, personalities and egos when you guys get together? I bet it is, right? Because most entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurs that have made it, yeah, there's a there's a there's a little bit of a swagger about these guys most of the time. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah it's brilliant. Yeah, I bet um, it's great, right? I bet it's a lot of fun, right? It uh, is, and what I generally find is uh, everyone has a really great soul behind them. They're all yeah. challenging in certain areas, and that's an incredible thing about EO. It just opens everyone up, and you just share. And I can meet an EO from all around the world. And I'll instantly know that they're an EO because they share a similar set of values. They speak a similar language and they're just vulnerable. Mm-hmm. They just share, which is really, really cool. Speaking of sharing, I had this entrepreneur recently who is now, now a millionaire. But uh, I asked him, I said, hey, what, what's the darkest moment you ever had? And he said, well, you know, when I cashed in my 401k and put my house uh, up as collateral, 
and invested everything we had. And two years in, we hadn't made a dime and we were almost out of money. I was crying in the middle of the night. I'd woke up crying in the middle of the night and my wife was holding me and I was apologizing to her for, you know, losing everything and asking her for forgiveness. And he said, as I was doing that, my cat jumped up on the bed and pissed on my leg. (laughs) 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 Just when you think things can get worse, they always get a little bit more. (laughs) And, And what's so fascinating is when you talk to these guys, these entrepreneurs or people that have ran businesses and have become successful, they all have stories like that, right? They, they didn't just, they didn't just start out. They didn't just like, Oh, I'm going to start a business and tomorrow it's successful and I'm rich. Like it doesn't go that way. They all struggled, right? Most of them. Yeah, definitely. And if they didn't, they'll eventually struggle with something. Mm, right. If you don't, if you don't have the struggles, you don't learn and grow. So that's why I say, like, I'm. It sounds weird, but I'm so incredibly grateful for that period of my life yeah. where there's legal battles, divorce, and everything, because it got me to get to know myself, and it got mm. me to confront the things which uh, I was suppressing and blocking. And uh, I still have more work to do, but I'm a lot happier and a lot more grateful for who I am now. What's, you know, I know that you, you get paid to do this for a living to give consulting. So I don't want you to give a bunch of free advice here, but I, I give everything free. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so for, for early entrepreneurs that you meet that are asking you for advice, what, what, what are some key things that you would say to listeners for this podcast that, that are just starting or thinking about getting started? What's some key advice you would give them? Yeah, invest in yourself, like really get clear about who you are. So one of the most powerful things you can have from day one would be some form of coach, psychologist, there's something working with you just to, just to keep you in check and to keep allowing you to process feelings and emotions as they come up. Because what Mm. we're very good as entrepreneurs is like, I don't have time to do that. I'll suppress it. And eventually it will come back up and it may come back up at the worst time and destroy your business. And like mm-hmm. I experienced that. So uh, really investing in yourself, getting clear about what's important to you and the almost putting constraints on and boundaries. So now I'm trying to, I'm being very clear. It's like, this is what I love doing and this is where I'm going to spend my time. Anything else, I'm not going to do that. And if you don't get clear about that, you just end up doing everything and people will hijack your, um, mm. your space and time. So mm-hmm. that'd be another one. And getting pretty clear on the numbers, it really does come down to numbers. And if we're not clear on it, we'll just make bad decisions and get taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably finally, be willing to just give up any concept of what you thought was right. So if you look at most successful companies, it wasn't there. We just had, I put on this event last week with EO. We had John Mullins from the London Business School and he's an author of customer-funded business model. He's brilliant. We had this two-day workshop and he, he would do all these case studies on successful businesses and it was never the plan A which was successful. It wasn't even the plan B. It was like the plan C and plan D. Right. And in order to get to that, you need to be willing to give up your identity because often we were the ones who created the plan A, plan A yes. and you need to be willing to up and go, all right, that was wrong. That's okay. And, and move forward. That's, I'm, I struggle with that. It's, mm. it's challenging in that regard. Do you have employees at, at either one of, at, at Wealth Enhancers at all or just oh, yourself? Yeah. 
No, no, all their companies employees. Like, it's not a consulting company. It's more of a, no. uh, like a membership organization. And, uh, I do like one off consulting for like retreats and everything in a, in America. Like, I run entrepreneurial retreats and I speak. So that's yep. the only one off thing I do. When you go on, I want to, so, so I want to come back to the retreats for a second before I forget. Yep. But on the, on the employees, what, what, what mistakes do you see early? young CEOs make? They just got into the C-level for the first time. What are some of the most common missteps you see from folks like that? Uh, unfortunately, not letting people go early enough. That's okay. a, probably a huge challenge. Realizing that it is all about people, like the quality of people. If you get the right people, good people make shit processes look good. Like they really, really well. So uh, this is something which I'm only just learning. Like the quality of your people will determine how successful you are mm. and uh, holding people accountable and realizing that some people who are great may not be able to get you to the next chapter. And, and that's, that's okay. Mm. So they're probably the, the big things about people. Other areas... <laughs> just believing that there's a magic bullet as well. Like often like a silver bullet, like just thinking, Oh, if I just get this person, it's going to be great. It's often not. <laughs> right. Yeah. There is, there's usually not a single bullet, right? Most of the yeah. time. So these retreats that you do now, is that, that's part of wealth enhancers. Is that the same business? Uh, so I have some are part of wealth enhancers, but then there's another one I call it being intentional and that's for the YPOs and the EOs as well. Okay. So okay. it's more doing these retreats and we call them intentional living retreats. So okay. I really get people to focus on living an intentional life and that's getting connected to themselves and then uh, understanding what's really important to them and creating a pathway moving forward an intentional path. And we do a lot of breath work. We do a lot of visualization, manifestation and, and just vulnerability communication as well. What's the, what's the biggest challenge when you get all these people out, out, out in the, you know, on one of these retreats, what's the early challenge, getting them to just relax for a second, let the guard down or what? Yeah. <laughs> getting, getting them out of their head. So getting them out of their left side thinking brain into their right side feeling body. That's mm -hmm. the biggest challenge because we, we believe that this has helped us so much and it has, it's got us to a certain places, but it's, it's, it actually ends up being the biggest constraint for our next level of growth. It holds us back because we're always making decisions basically thinking here and, and with our ego rather than our heart and our, and our getting connected to our body. So that's why I use breath work and meditation and different techniques to, to get them get connected to their body. It's got to be very rewarding for you. Like weeks later when, when, when somebody calls you and says, Hey man, Thank you. Like that retreat really made a difference in my life. I mean, that's, that's gotta mean more than the money, right? I mean, that's gotta be uh, huge. So much better for me. Money's just, it's going to be there. Like you add value, money comes like that's the key thing. But like I gave a keynote to a group of entrepreneurs the other night in Reno and just getting in a couple of emails the next day about the impact. And it's made them realize, wow, I'm not living an intentional life. A lot of these decisions that I'm making aren't, important to me. It's just because of something which happened to me when I was younger and I've been on this pattern ever since that lights me up and it just brings so much joy for me. What do you enjoy the most? Do you enjoy the, the speaking engagements or the one-on-one -on -one set downs with somebody to help them manage their finances? Like what, what's, 
so I don't enjoy the one-on-one finances myself anymore. Like I haven't done that for uh, quite yeah. a while. What I love, I still love it, but it's not as much as the other areas. I love keynote speaking, but you get me in a room where I'm guiding people on breath work and that's where I'm most alive. It just, because it gets them into a place that they didn't know was possible. And mm. then because of that, we can have really, really deep conversations afterwards, which is incredibly powerful. But I love all moments of life. I love this. Right <laughs> like I, I play so many different roles and I try to just drop in in the moment with a few conscious breaths, like three conscious breaths, the most powerful thing you do. And I drop in and go, okay, what role am I playing now? Mm. How do I show up for this and, and just be present for it? Did you have this, 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 these people skills early on, like back in, back in even, you know, middle school, like, did you know that you were going to lead people for a living? I didn't know I was going to lead people for a living. However, I always have had some level of people skills and Mm -hmm. there was definitely like, I was a young, little charismatic, happy baby. But then I felt like I, you, I had to play different roles and it was these people skills that it was almost the survival mechanism for me. Uh-huh. Like if I didn't know how to get my friends to invite me over to their place so I could be in their place rather than being in my home, then that was almost like a survival thing for me. So mm-hmm. you end up getting good at it. You know, as I've listened to you talk about, uh, you know, entrepreneurs organization or, you know, wealth enhancers or even, your speaking engagements. How about the people listening to this podcast that are like, yeah, that's, that's great. I wish, I wish I could be part of that. I don't have the, I don't have the money to join EO or I don't, I don't have the money to go to pay for a retreat. I'd love to do it, but I can't right now. What do they do in the meantime? What do you recommend for those listeners in the meantime? So I'm going to be really candid. First is they need to change their mindset Mm -hmm. because so often we go, I don't have money to do this. And it's like, well, you probably have some money to do other things like the choices, right. like where are you going to invest? Like where are you going to get the greatest return? Uh, and then the incredible thing about where life is right now, like most things are free, like all the stuff, which I give in wealth man, like we also write about it all the time. Like all our blogs and all that content, right. like we're giving it away the whole time. Our podcast. Yep. Like you can, you can be like, you can sit in, Stanford effectively by just listening to a podcast. Like they, they record the same thing and share it. Yep. So You're I right. would say just take a look at yourself and see if you can change that mindset and go, how do, how do we actually take that. some steps moving forward? Cause there's only you're going to be able to do it. Like no one else is going to be able to save you or guide you through it. You need to take responsibility. Mm, I love, and you've said that you said that early on, take responsibility for your own f- financial situation. You know, everybody that I talk to that wants to start a business, they all give me the same song and dance, right? They're all like, well, you know, I, I only have so much money in savings and I got a mortgage and I got this and I got that. And I don't, I don't, I don't have the money. Like I need somebody to give me money to start the business. So I always get that speech. Yep. And uh, I'm not nearly as good as answering that as you probably are. Uh, when you're, when you're, Talking to somebody like that, do you, similar speech as to what you just said, what do you tell them? Go, hey, you, you got to make choices. Stop. Yeah, what do you tell them? Go ahead. Yeah, I, I would. I'd, one, I'd, I'd emphasize with them. I'm not always hard on them. I, I sort of, <laughs> I do like, I just explore and I uncover and I find out what's blocking them. There's some yeah. form of suppressed emotion and I get them to go into their body and breathe and there'll be something, one of their chakras will be blocked and I'm like, okay, well, mm-hmm. this makes sense. Now let's see if we can let this go. And 
how can we envision this working and how could we start making steps that doesn't seem so overwhelming? Because a lot of the time people think it's a binary choice. It's like, I have to give up my job to start a business. And it's like, no, you don't, especially these days, like you can start a business today, just add value. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be this huge billion dollar business Just find a way to add value. If you, realize that you are in a position to always add value to someone you'll never go needing because mm. that's the law of like the law of uh, reciprocity. Like you're always going to yep. be provided for. You just give, give and it will come back to you. The challenge is that a lot of people don't want to give and they want, they want now they want to take, take, take. I love it. Yeah. I did a podcast on that topic or an episode on that topic. It's like, are you, are you a taker or a giver? Like, are you just taking? I, and th- I think what it was, I was challenging the listeners to say, why don't you just measure yourself as you, as you move through the day, keep a little journal as to how many times you're taking versus giving. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what you'll, you'll notice at the end of the day or the week if you just really track it. Definitely. Uh, One of our values at Wealth Enhancers is conscious connection. And we have like a description about it. And part of it is, is, be aware of your vibrational frequency. Mm. And we are uplifters rather than detractors. So we can, this is why something you can give is like, do you uplift someone when they're around you? If you do that, you'll notice things just start happening. Just always be the uplifter rather than the downer for someone. I, I couldn't agree more. By the way, as I was watching all of your YouTube videos and everything and studying you last night and this morning, that's how I felt. I felt uplifted. I was, I was getting, it was in a good mood. I did my exercises this morning and I was, I had some coffee and my wife's like, man, you're in a good mood today. I was like, well, I just watched all the Finn stuff. So I'm feeling pretty oh, good right now. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> and that's a good, fra- that's a good frame, uh, like a point of reference to go, are you surrounding yourself with the right people? If you're not getting yes. uplifted, maybe these people aren't the right people. It doesn't even matter if they're family members or anything. Like you've got to be conscious with who you're around because that yes. will ultimately determine your success. I totally agree. You've had such a great career already and you're still a young man. Um, but at this, at this stage, you know, if you, if you reflect back on your life now, is there anything you would tell your 21 year old self to do differently? If you could go back in time and interview that kid, is there anything you'd say, Hey, make sure you do this because I didn't do it. And you should breathe. Breathe would be the simplest thing. Okay. And really the breathing is that's getting connected to your emotions and the suppressed feelings because it doesn't matter how much you succeed in traditional terms, success, eventually you'll have to deal with them and it'd be a lot easier to deal with them at a young age. <laughs> mm, mm. That's good. That's good. So what? So right now when Finn wakes up every day, what's his core purpose in life? Yeah, I love this one. So my core purpose is to be intentional and live in the now so that I and others become more awakened. Ooh. So it's this concept of just like being present, showing up and being intentional about my thoughts, my words and my actions. And by doing that, I will become more awakened. And if I become more awakened, then others around me become more awakened. And that's really what we're all here to do. I love it. I love it. All right. So, so to reach Finn, uh, wealth enhancers, wealth right? Probably the yeah. best thing to do. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And then I'm on LinkedIn and everything. I'm just in Kelly everywhere. You're everywhere, man. You're, you are everywhere. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Hey, thanks so much for being on the Rider Flex podcast. I appreciate it. And congrats on everything you've done in your career. 
I look, uh, I look forward to building a, a personal relationship with you too now, because I'd like to, I'd like to go on one of those retreats Yeah, uh, as, as a guy that interviews people for a living, right. And dissects people. Like I would, I would just love to be there and, you know, watch and, and kind of dissect what's going on. So eventually I'd like to get there. So I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch soon. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Finn. Okay. Bye-bye. The RiderFlex podcast can be heard just about anywhere these days, but you can visit riderflex.com slash podcast to learn more about us and become a supporter of the show. Send your comments and suggestions for future topics to the email address podcast at riderflex.com or leave us a voicemail at 888-964-5876, extension 710. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.